This morning we are going to begin a series that we're going to be looking at throughout the course of the summer. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, who He is and, and what He does. And this morning we're going to be looking at two portions of John chapter 14. So if you turn there with me, in, in this portion of Scripture you have Jesus telling us some details about the Holy Spirit that we would not naturally have known. And uh, he explains some, some of uh, the details about the Holy Spirit that we find in Scripture, although there are many details we find in Scripture that we'll be looking at over the course of the summer months. But we're going to start with John 14, and I'm going I'm to pick up at, at verse 15, read a few verses, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 25. And this is what it says, starting with John chapter 14, verse 15, it says this. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then if you jump down to verse 25, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to look at this portion of Scripture together today and to think about the things that you're revealing to us in it. Lord, we're grateful for the teaching that your Son, Jesus Christ, conveyed about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And Father, we recognize that there is much we need to learn about your Spirit. And there's all sorts of misconceptions that exist in this world as well about his ministry and his activity. So Lord, we pray that as we look at your word, that you'd help us to understand what we're reading. We pray that you'd help us to grow in our walk with you as a result of the information that you share with us in your word. And we pray that we would grow and that we would share our faith with others as we delight in who you've caused us to be through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't it amazing to try to contemplate who God is and how he oversees his creation? Do you ever just try and wrap your mind around who God is and what he's doing in creation, how he oversees everything he's created, the activity that he's up to presently right now. I'm sure when you were a child, you probably had some conception of who you thought God was. And uh, I remember when I was a child, I tried to wrap my mind around who God is and what he was like. And, and uh, I, I thought about a lot of things that maybe some of these things are similar to some of the perceptions that you had as a child. But growing up in a church-going context, I pictured God as an old man in a white robe with a long white beard. Was this kind of like your mental image? Anyone else have like a mental image of God looking that way? I also believed that he had a son named Jesus. I didn't understand really how that relationship worked, but I believed that, that God had a son named Jesus. But my understanding of God's nature, admittedly, was very incomplete. It was very immature. I guess that's not to be a surprise when you think about the season of life that I'm referencing. Uh, let, me, let me speak to something about God in reference to that, that misconception that I had of him. God does not show signs of aging like humans do. So if your picture in your mind is of an, 
uh, really old man with a long white beard, and uh, that's, that's your impression of God. I just want to remind us, God does not, does not show signs of aging like humans do. He lives outside of time and is not affected by things like the loss of pigment in his hair or bone deterioration or joints that crack and pop when he moves. I could never, I could never be a spy. You know, at this season of my life, like, my body makes too many noises as I try to move stealthily. God does not have joints that, that crack or pop or anything like that. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, or we could also say God the Son, has existed in perfect union with God the Father for all eternity. And I mention that because, as a child, my misconception of Jesus was that I, I don't know that I fully understood that Jesus is God. I don't know that I, I fully understood or appreciated the fact that he, has, that he is eternally existent in perfect union with the Father. Jesus didn't come into existence on a particular day. He's always existed. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. So keep those things in our minds as we contemplate the Holy Spirit. If you asked me during that season of life who the Holy Spirit was, I don't think I would have been able to give you an answer of any intelligence whatsoever. I don't, I don't think I would have had any idea. As a child, I don't think I understood who the Holy Spirit was. Uh, sadly, by the way, I, I think that there are many professing Christians, even in our day and age, who have no working knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is. And since they don't know who He is, they most likely don't understand what He's doing in our lives or what He's doing in this world. Now, just as the Father is God, and just as the Son is God, so too is the Holy Spirit. He's often referred to by theologians as the third person of the Trinity. The Bible reveals the existence of the Trinity. I believe what the Bible says about the Trinity, but I will confess to you that I don't fully understand the Trinity, and I don't believe anyone that tells me that they fully understand the Trinity. When it comes to the Trinity... Uh, my belief in the Trinity is an act of faith because there's nothing else in creation that is, that is exactly like God, that is exactly like the Trinity because God is unique. We have a God, uh, try and wrap your mind around this if you can. I don't know that I fully can. I believe it to be true, but I don't know that I could fully understand it in my limited understanding. But we have a God who exists in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. They exist in perfect union, but the Father is not the Son. And the Son is not the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Father. Now, Scripture teaches us that truth, but I will admit to you that that's hard to wrap my human mind around. That's one of those things that I look at and I say, I accept that by faith. I believe the teaching of Scripture to be accurate, but I don't know that this side of heaven I will fully understand the complexity of God's nature. And I bring that up as foundational truth. I bring that up as background so that we're operating at kind of a baseline understanding in our conversation today of who God is but I also want to add some additional detail to that and say this. One of the most common doctrinal errors that I hear in the church 
is a mistake that people often make, and I think they make this mistake innocently. I don't think that this comes with any malice, but I hear the mistake often made where people make an error in referring to the Holy Spirit by the wrong pronoun. Now, we live in a day and age where the cardinal sin, I believe, from what I understand from culture, is how we choose to use pronouns, right? Like, that's a big deal. All right, well, let's, let's get this one right. The Holy Spirit is not an it. All right, so we, let's say this is a foundational thing for the, the whole time we're studying the Holy Spirit during the course of the summer. If you call the Holy Spirit an it, you're demonstrating that you do not understand who He is. The Holy Spirit is God, not just the wisdom of God and not just the power of God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is a person, not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. So calling Him an it makes as much sense as calling your spouse or your children or your best friend an it. And I highly doubt that there is anyone in your day-to-day life who would appreciate that kind of incorrect designation. You may try it, and you may see how it works, but I highly doubt if you call your children its or your spouse it, that they will pat you on the back and thank you for that designation. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is he, he, right? And when the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit, we're told Several things, we're told many things actually about what the, what the Spirit is doing, but He teaches, He counsels, He guides, He directs, He comforts, and He intercedes in prayer for all believers. And as a divine person, He possesses personality. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, He has an intellect, He has emotions, and He has a will. Intellect, emotions, will, all of these things. The earthly ministry of Jesus, when you look at what Scripture tells us about what Jesus was doing during the course of His earthly ministry, His ministry was carried out in perfect union with the will of God the Father and the empowerment of God the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus approached the end of His earthly ministry, He made a point to tell His disciples that it was to their benefit that He was about to leave them, because when He left, God the Father would send the Holy Spirit to dwell with and inside all who trusted in Jesus. Let me bring up the words that Jesus said in John 14. When you look at verses 15 to 17, Jesus said it this way. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Again, I'm making special emphasis just to get that in our minds, to get that straight. Again, Jesus says, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, I love the way Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit in this passage. First of all, he refers to him as a helper. He calls the Holy Spirit a helper. Well, why did Jesus call the Holy Spirit a helper? Well, Jesus was telling us that the Spirit of God was going to actively help us live out our Christian life in the midst of a very dark world. We would have help. You and I would have help on a daily basis to live out our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, how does the Holy Spirit help us? What is He doing for you and for me right now that's helpful? Well, when you look at the totality of what what Scripture tells us about the Spirit and His work, we're told that He helps us by comforting us. We're told that He helps us by counseling us. 
We're also told that he helps us by strengthening us. So he comforts us. He counsels us. He strengthens us. In fact, he does even more than that. And as we continue digging deeper into what Scripture tells us about the Holy Spirit, we're going to learn additional details of his ministry. But let's just start with those things. He comforts us. He counsels us. He helps us. Well, in practical terms, when you think about your life in this world, aren't you grateful that you have not been left on this planet without the help of God? I'm so, so grateful that I have the help of God. If you've lived any time in this world, any amount of time whatsoever, I think you've learned at this point that there are various trials that are going to come your way that are going to affect your life and the lives of of those that you love during different seasons of life. Uh, In just the past few days... You know, as I was thinking about this, the trials that come our way. In just the past few days, I've learned of the death of a friend's sibling, learned of the unexpected passing of a child at another friend's church, learned of a family member who just lost his job, learned of another family that our family is very close to that's experiencing severe challenges in their marriage. And then I look at my own life and I think about the things that I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing a variety of challenges as well. Some I consider minor, others I consider major. And these challenges will come and go. They'll likely be replaced when they go with new challenges that will take their place in an ongoing cycle that's going to eventually culminate when I see Jesus face to face. So I'm looking forward to that day as well. I take a lot of solace in that. But here's what I know. I don't have to endure any challenge that comes my way as if I'm alone in this world. Challenges will come. There's never been a season in my life where I haven't experienced them. And I would say, if I can make a blanket statement like this, you haven't experienced a season of your life that hasn't been presenting to you or hasn't presented to you some challenges as well. And again, sometimes they're minor, but sometimes they're major. And it kind of goes back and forth, or maybe some of those happening at the same time. Things that that are really difficult and challenging and might make you upset, or things that might totally break your heart. And then you look at what Scripture tells us, and Scripture tells us that that the, the Holy Spirit, He is actively ministering to us. He is actively helping us in the midst of all the things that you and I are going through. He comforts us when we're feeling beat up and discouraged. Not a wonderful thing. You have not been left alone in this world when you're feeling beat up and discouraged. Keep in mind, the Holy Spirit seeks to minister to you in those moments. He counsels us when we don't know what to do. Do you ever come to those seasons of your life? I, I get a kick out of this. I'm 46 for about five more minutes. I turn 47 soon. And I think to myself, at this point, I thought I'd, I'd know more stuff. You know, Like I thought I'd be able to easily figure things out a little bit better. I'm like, man, like that number keeps creeping up, and, and sometimes I think to myself, I should know what to do here, right? I should know what to do with this. I should know what to do with that. Isn't it nice that I don't have to rely on my own counsel? Isn't that nice for yourself as well? We don't have to rely on our own counsel. I've only lived one life. I haven't seen all things, but I have the Holy Spirit who lives within me, and he counsels me. And he helps me understand things that I haven't lived long enough to be able to figure out in my own wisdom. And if you know Jesus Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit lives in you as well. And he's counseling you. He's giving you guidance. He's giving you wisdom that you haven't lived long enough to be able to understand or earn. But he gives that to us. He counsels us. I also love the fact that Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit strengthens us. 
You ever just find yourself going through a season where you're like, oh man, like it's been battle after battle during this season. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He lifts you up and he strengthens you and he gives you the, the, the power that you need in the midst of what you're going through so that you get to wake up and you get to fight a battle another day. And you don't have to do it in your own strength and you don't have to do it in your own wisdom because you can rely on the wisdom and strength that he gladly supplies. And Jesus was trying to help his followers to understand this. He said, the rest of the world doesn't recognize this, but you will have the benefit of the Holy Spirit who will live inside of you. He will live in you, and he will do things for you that will be immensely helpful. Now, if you know Jesus by faith, the Holy Spirit has been ministering to you during the course of your entire relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, as Jesus said, the Spirit will be with you forever. This is a blessing and benefit that we've experienced through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus elsewhere also referred to the Spirit as the Spirit of truth. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit helps us in this way. And in fact, in John 16, verse 13, Jesus said this. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Well, here's the thing. We live in a world that's filled with lies. It's filled with deception. And what's the Holy Spirit doing for you and for me in the midst of this lying, deceptive world? He's helping you and I to see through the lies. Do you ever have those moments where, you, where you're, you look at certain things and you're like, I see right through that. Do you ever just even say that out loud? I see right through that. Well, why do you see right through that? Why are you able to see what you're able to see? Well, the Holy Spirit, what is he doing? He's the spirit of truth and he guides you into all the truth. It's a wonderful thing. He reveals truth to our hearts. One example of this that I think is particularly relevant during this era of history is how the Holy Spirit enables Christians to discern truth from error when it comes to some of the, the debates that right now are ravaging our culture. There's all sorts of things going on. In fact, you hear it oftentimes referenced in kind of a summary statement. Do you ever hear the term just the culture war? You ever hear people say that? They describe all the debates taking place, and it seems to just get lumped into one phrase lately where I just hear people talk about the culture war. Well, what's the culture war? Well, the culture war is an, an attempt to try and put a new framework over how culture is perceived, and it's pretty obvious that there are a variety of influences that are attempting to take our society in a satanic direction. It's not just poor judgment. It's not just you know, lack of wisdom. It's actually satanic. The biblical model for marriage, the biblical model for gender and sexual behavior, it's all under severe attack, and people pat themselves on the back like they're geniuses and they're wonderful as they celebrate immorality. And I look at that, and it's like, of course you're going to buy into that because there's a vacuum in your soul that needs to be filled with the presence of the Spirit of God. And unless the Spirit of God fills that vacuum within you, you'll fall into whatever silliness comes, its way, comes your way. I mean, this culture's always pumping it out. And do you ever play this little game, and it's kind of a weird game to play and could be a little discouraging, so maybe you shouldn't play it. But do you ever play this game like I do, where it's like, I wonder what weird thing we'll celebrate next. 
Like, I wonder what weird thing we'll, we'll treat as totally normal and fine and then try to advocate to our children in our culture. I wonder what the next thing will be. And it, here's the thing. I already know the answer. It's going to be worse than whatever is presently being pumped in their direction. Apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit, humanity is, is so prone to be deceived. You have social media apps, you have the entertainment culture attempting to brainwash our children and trying to brainwash adults as well. It's not just children, but children are highly susceptible to it. You have these sources of, of information trying to desensitize children so that they become very, very comfortable with all sorts of immorality. And you know what? Where there's a vacuum for the presence of the Holy Spirit, it totally works because they're not able to discern the truth. If they don't know the Lord, they don't and their parents aren't modeling these things for them or speaking these things, Where is the, what are they going to do? They're going to believe what they're influenced to believe. So you have corporations and media outlets and government leaders jumping on the bandwagon as well. And I look at that and I think, you know what, you're going to have to answer for that someday. And I'm not in charge of, of all that. The Lord's going to hold us all accountable for what we teach and how we influence children. We're going to be held accountable for that, and that's a big deal to God. But here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit, in dark moments like these, and I know that you could, if you know the Lord, I, I know that you could see that darkness, you can perceive that in the midst of our culture at, presence, at present, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, helps us in the midst of dark seasons. He helps us to see right through the lies. I recently, and I won't go in the, I'm purposely leaving out the detail of what this particular person was referring to, because I think the concept applies broadly, and I don't want to get hung up on the specific of what they were referencing, but I recently saw a post where a man expressed bewilderment online. He was bewildered about something, and he directly asked the question, he wanted to know why Christians were the first people to be able to, to discern that something specific wasn't true long before the truth came out publicly and, and, and long before the culture at large understood it. He's like, why did the Christians know it first? Why did they know it first before the rest of us? And it was a genuinely asked question. It wasn't a wise guy question. It was a curiosity question from someone observing. He's like, all right, the first people in my, my life that seemed to instinctively know what was true and not true about this specific thing were the Christians. Why is that? Well, the answer to this question is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Spirit of God points our hearts toward the truth. And as Jesus said, this world neither sees him nor knows him. This world neither sees him nor knows him. We know him. He lives within us, and he helps us see what our natural eyes could never have seen on their own. And the Holy Spirit does something else for us as well, and this is particularly beneficial. He helps us understand what we're reading in God's Word. He helps us understand it. As we sit down to actually read the Scriptures, uh, yesterday we had our work day here, and some of us were talking about how throughout the course of our lives, we're grateful for the people in our lives that have actually taken the time to present the Word of God to us, and, um, and, and just how beneficial that has been over the course of our day-to-day -day life, and how it's refreshing to hear the Word of God, and how it's enlightening to hear the Word of God. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who is helping us see and understand what we're reading in God's Word. When you look at what Scripture teaches us about the Holy Spirit, Scripture teaches us 
that he inspired the Bible to be written down. He was the one guiding the pens of the human writers to write exactly what he wanted them to communicate. As we read God's Word, he shows us things that can only be spiritually perceived. And for us to fully understand and appreciate what we're reading, we need the help, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to understand these things. And if you want to know something rather curious that I've seen him do, and I enjoy this every time I see him do this, let me tell you what he often does when I'm preaching the Scriptures. I've had him do multiple things. One thing I've had him do, and this just actually occurred to me just now, but I've had him kind of change course for me where I know what I've prepared for a Sunday morning, and then I'll begin preaching, I'll begin preaching that, and, I, and sometimes along the way I'll have the Holy Spirit indicate to me, you know what you need to say? Say this, or say it this way. I've had him do that multiple times, and if you ask other people who preach and teach the Word of God, they'll, have that, they'll tell you that they've had experiences like that many times over the course of their days and over the course of their ministries. But here's another curious thing related to that. This I did plan to say. Frequently in preaching and teaching the Word of God, I've had people either privately or publicly come up to me afterwards. So like, let's say a Sunday morning, that context of preaching a sermon, I'll have people come up to me and say, you know, that was so helpful what you said. And, and I'll ask, well, what, what, what are you referencing? And then they'll say something that I know I didn't say. Be like, I know what I said, and I didn't say that. And I'll even go back and listen to the recording, and I'll be like, I didn't say that. And they'll be like, that was so helpful. Thank you for saying that. And, and, and I'll listen to it, and at this point now, I just kind of smirk because I know who said it. I know it wasn't me that said it. I know that what, what ends up happening, I believe what happens is that in many of these instances, you have the Holy Spirit pointing believers to very specific and personal applications of the Scripture that will help them in their unique circumstances. So he's taking the truth that's being proclaimed and showing them ways to apply it to their day-to-day -day life that me, in my human wisdom, I didn't think to make that connection. So he makes that connection so that, so that we understand how to apply certain things, even if the person trying to teach that portion of Scripture doesn't think to bring that application out. The Holy Spirit makes up for that. He takes care of that. If you're ever in the position of preaching or teaching the Scriptures, and I know many of you do this in a variety of ways. By the way, can we just like say thank you to those of you that teach children's church and teach our youth? I'm so grateful for you guys. I know that so many of you are on that rotation. That's a big rotation here in the church with Kids Zone, Epicenter, Children's Church, all of these things. Kids Camp coming up. So, so grateful for you guys. And I know that there are those of you that help lead Bible studies and help in other ways. Some of you have taken the time, like Derek last week, taking the time to preach for me. Really appreciate that. Others in the church do that from time to time. Uh, I hope if you're, if you're raising children or grandchildren that, that you're, you're sharing the Word of God in your home. And here's an interesting thing that I have noticed through the years. When you're preaching, in a strange way after you do it, you're both exhilarated and exhausted afterward. I can't explain to you why sometimes I feel so, so exhausted on a Sunday afternoon when I'm like, all I did was stand in one spot and talk for a while. What is so exhausting about that, right? And sometimes in the midst of that exhaustion, I'll tell you, now, lately I haven't been doing this to myself, thankfully, but I've been pastoring for 25 years, and I think for 24 and a half of those I've done this to myself. Um, a lot of times after you preach a sermon, and maybe some of you uh, children's church teachers have felt this way from time to time too, 
You preach it, then you get in your car, and then you spend the next half hour of your life telling yourself what a terrible job you did. And it's like, why do I do this to myself? Like, why, why do I get in the car and instead of saying, hey, nice attempt today, John, be like, I am surprised you have a job, son. You know, like, that's, like, why do people even show up to hear that? Like, like those aren't even words you said there today. Um, maybe you should have slept in. And, uh, and you'll just have those moments where you're just, you just feel like, like garbage. And amazingly, I have watched the Holy Spirit make great use of what I thought were my worst moments in front of a public audience. I'll give you a very specific example of this. I'll never forget an experience that I had when I was just about finished with college. It was right at the, I was right before I started my senior year of college, and I knew that uh, afterward my plan was to become a full-time pastor immediately after finishing college. So I had one year left of studies, and so I made it my goal during that year to take as many preaching invitations as I could possibly take. And I remember in August of 97, this would have been, there were five Sundays that month. And I was like, great, let me see how many of those I could fill up. I filled up four of them. I I spoke at four different churches that that month, and uh, I was excited. I thought, I I, I need to get practiced. I I feel the call to preach, but I got to get practiced because before I know, you know, before I know it, I'm going to be leading my own church. And I, I don't want to start off not knowing how to do this. Like, I got I to gotta do this. And so I, I spoke at a, uh, where's Josh? Josh, your dad's church was one of the churches I spoke at that month. Uh, I spoke at a church in Johnson City, New York. I spoke at my home church up in the town of German, spelled with a J. And um, I also spoke at a church in Plymouth, Pennsylvania, on Franklin Street in Plymouth, Pennsylvania. I spoke at four churches that month. And I remember... This one particular church, Franklin Street, uh, I was invited to speak there, and I was told ahead of time that they really like when you end on time. Now, all churches probably like that, but do you know that strategically we never tell you what time our service ends? Because it's always something different. We figured you'd like variety here, right? Well, there, they like to end on time, and their pastor told me, "Mm, they like to end on time. You should probably end on time. And I was like, okay, I'll try and end on time. So I started preaching, and as I was preaching, I learned something interesting about the personality of that church. They didn't smile. They didn't laugh. They didn't show sadness. They didn't show anger. They didn't show any emotion whatsoever. They just stared blankly. It was the culture of that church to just stare blankly. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, somebody give me something somewhere. Like, there's got to be an emotion in this room somewhere. They just stare blankly. And I remember thinking, is what I'm preaching actually connecting? Are people just like waiting for me to end hopefully on time? I couldn't, I couldn't get a read on it. I remember I did something kind of dumb, okay? I do dumb things a lot, but this is one of the first times I learned don't do this again. Um, a baby cried out. In the midst of this stoic-faced group, a baby cried out. And I just thought it'd be funny to be like, yes, I hear you. Thank you for that acknowledgement. And I thought, for sure, for sure, people think that's funny. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) And so afterward, I was just, I thought, I felt like garbage. But here's the other thing. I, I I felt so discouraged while I was preaching that service. I'll tell you one other thing that happened right beforehand. I thought this would get me a laugh. It didn't. 
beforehand, I realized, you know how, I always used to wear a suit and a tie back then. These are the olden days when that was expected of me. Thankfully, we live now. Um, some of you are like, you should try the suit and tie again, John, and help you out a little bit. But I noticed that, you know how there's a little tab on the back of a tie for that, the smaller piece to fit in so it doesn't flop all over the place? Well, I noticed that was missing on the tie that I was wearing, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I don't want it to look like I have two ties going in multiple directions. And so I went into the pastor's office that morning, and I just wanted to see if I could, like, a paper clip I could use as, like, a tie clip, something. I couldn't find anything. Only thing I could find was a stapler, and I was like, good enough. I took a stapler, and I stapled it together. And I was like, all right, that'll hold it in place, and I'll just strategically take that staple out. But then I thought to myself, for sure they will find this funny if I tell them this. I was like, I'm just going to tell them I borrowed their pastor's stapler and stapled my tie. And so I told them this. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then I remember thinking to myself, like, why am I so dumb? Like, why am I so dumb? Why am I telling, why is this stuff funny to me? And why am I so dumb? And why did I feel like I needed to tell them? They don't care. They don't care about any of this stuff. And, uh, and I just thought, this just needs to end. But then as I got to the end of that message, I looked at the time and realized I still had 15 more f- minutes to fill. And I thought, I've run out. They don't like me here. They don't like what I'm saying. They just want me to stop talking so that they can go. But I thought, oh, I need to at least fill this time a little bit longer. And, uh, and so I, I had finished what I had prepared to say, and I just shared a personal testimony of some of the things the Lord had been teaching me during that season of my life. I ended the service, uh, went out to the car afterward, felt completely humiliated, so, so foolish. Andrea, who was my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, I, she might not even choose to marry me at this point. We were planning to get married. Didn't know how this was all going to work out. I, she sat in the car, and I sat in the car, and I just looked at her. I don't even think I looked at her. I just said this. I said, normally I would ask her for feedback, and I, I said, please don't give me any feedback. I already know it went terrible. Like, please don't say anything. I just have to process my emotions right now, and uh, let's just go out and get some food. Food sometimes helps me process this. I'm like, let's just go get, get something to eat, and uh, you don't have to tell me how bad that went. I already know it went terrible. I, I feel completely humiliated, and she said, I didn't think that went all that bad, but if you don't want me to say anything, I, I won't, but I don't know where your mind is right now. And I, I was like, no, it's all right. You don't have to say anything. Don't try and make me feel better. Let's just go, and I'll get mozzarella sticks. It'll cure it. And uh, she's like, I won't say anything. I won't say anything. Well, here's what happened in relation to that sermon. I kid you not, there has never been a sermon in my entire ministry that I have preached that I have received as much feedback on, positive feedback on, from that message, I left that pulpit feeling absolutely humiliated, which I actually think is a healthy thing if you're somebody that delivers the Word of God. I think from time to time the Lord allows you to have those experiences so you don't end up getting full of yourself. I think it's good for your heart to have those moments. But I left that pulpit thinking I had done such a terrible job. And let me be honest with you. I actually still think I, I personally did a terrible job. I showed a lot of rookie mistakes in that morning as I was preaching, and a lot of personal insecurities as I was preaching. But I kid you not, over the course of the next year plus, I kept hearing about that message. I walked into a Christian bookstore months after that, and when I went to pay for something, the woman said to me at the counter, she said, aren't aren't you John Stonge? And I said, yeah. And I was like, I don't know, she's reading that off my debit card or, or what, but I said, yeah. And she said, 
I heard you preached the most lovely, wonderful sermon at Franklin Street a few months back. I just wish I could have been there in person to hear it. And I was like, the sermon I preached at Franklin Street? And in my mind, I'm like, oh, please don't remind me of that. And she's like, and I didn't say all this, but in my mind, I'm just buying a book and just saying, oh, thank you. And she's like, oh, I, I, I just keep hearing about this sermon. And I was like, interesting. Okay. And uh, then I heard a variety of other things about it. And then more than a year later, a pastor in Wisconsin, he had been my pastor growing up, and he was serving in Wisconsin. He was coming through Pennsylvania on his way to Maryland. I was going to the same thing in Maryland. He said, hey, could I just ride with you from Pennsylvania to Maryland, and we could just catch up and, and uh, you know, just talk shop a little bit? And I was like, oh, sure, yeah. And so he rode with me, and he said, hey, I keep hearing about this sermon you preached at Franklin Street. Tell me about this. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you've got to be kidding me. That was more than a year after I'd preached that message. And here's what the Holy Spirit taught me in that moment. He does not waste the proclamation of the Word of God. He doesn't waste it. Even we, as imperfect human messengers, are useful in His hands. I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating, I feel like I made myself look like a goof more than normal that morning. And I still feel a twinge of, or like just that cringy feeling when I think about stuff that I thought was funny that really wasn't that funny. And I look at that and I think the Holy Spirit uses imperfect messengers all the time as we proclaim the Word of God. What does Scripture tell us? It doesn't come back void. It doesn't come back without its intended effect. The Holy Spirit will take your submission to Him, your willingness to proclaim the truth of the Scriptures, and He will guide the hearer into all truth, just as Jesus said He would do. He will guide you into all the truth. He fixes it, similarly to what he, Scripture tells us He does when we're praying. And we'll get into this in, in coming weeks, but Scripture also tells us there are times that we don't even know what to say. Do you ever have a moment when you're praying and, and you're just saying, Lord, I don't know how to articulate this. Like, my heart hurts so much, I'm so heavy, I've run out of specific ways to ask for your help or your guidance in this, and you just give God like a jumbled mess of words, and what does the Holy Spirit do for us? I got this, John. I got this. Let me, I'll make sense of this for you. I will make sense of this. And he answers our prayers, even though we offer the words up in this just confusing array of pain. Jesus said in John 14, verses 25 and 26, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will do this for you. Jesus made it clear that the Holy Spirit would teach us the truth. And he would help us remember everything that Jesus taught during the course of his earthly ministry. He's actively doing that for you and for me. That's just one of the things, by the way, is that, 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 that he does for us. So it's kind of helpful to recognize that as a foundational truth related to his ministry as we prepare to understand more about who he is and more about what he does, but it'll help us understand the truth as we examine God's Word together. He'll help us understand it. So let me say this as we just kind of think about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's trying to do in your life and in my life. 
If you feel like your personal knowledge of the Holy Spirit feels a bit deficient, if you feel like there are a variety of things that you're curious about, you know, what he does for believers and and how he he seeks to build us up and how he seeks to operate in our day-to-day lives, I have to say, I think you're in for a treat as we spend a lot of time on this this summer. Because there are a variety of things that Scripture tells us that we're going to look at in the coming weeks that help us understand more about his nature and more about his ministry and more about the mission that he's accomplishing in our day-to-day lives. And again, I come right back to the words that Jesus said. We have not been left in this world without help. You and I are not expected to navigate the Christian life in the midst of a dark world with our own wisdom or with our own strength or with our own counsel. As we have trusted in Jesus Christ, the moment you trusted in Jesus Christ, the Scripture indwelled you. Scripture moved inside. He doesn't just exist on the outside. He lives within you, empowering you, guiding you, counseling you, helping you navigate life. You have not been left on this earth alone, nor have you been left to rely on your own strength and your own power, because he's present with us. Jesus wanted us to understand that. And I actually think for us to fully appreciate what it looks like to grow as believers in Christ during this era of our life, during this season of our faith, I think it's very, very helpful to understand more about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what he's seeking to accomplish in our lives, because I think when we have a clear understanding of that, we're able to cooperate with him in a more informed way, in a more educated way, in a more targeted and specific way. And then we have the opportunity to encourage others as we pass along that truth to them as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and thank you for the fact that Even though we could look at our day-to-day lives and point out all sorts of things that we would say, all right, I fumbled the ball there, or I didn't know what to say there, or that was a moment where I just felt like I didn't have the wisdom that I needed to navigate that season in my own strength. Lord, you remind us you're present with us to make up the difference. You're helping us to understand things that we would not naturally understand. You're counseling us in the midst of our discouragements. You're, you're, you're coaching us and directing us and comforting us in the midst of confusing seasons. You're giving us your strength so that we don't have to rely on our own strength. And Lord, right now we live in a world that demonstrates in so many ways its desperate need for you. Lord, I'm just so grateful for the fact that you're not asking us to navigate life in this world without your help. And Lord, there are all sorts of things that we could look at and all sorts of things that we could point to and we could say, all right, that looks like it's dark and getting darker. But yet we have the light of Christ in our lives and that truth is brought to our minds so often through the power of your Holy Spirit who lives within us. So Father, thank you for the role that that you and each member of the Trinity has in our day-to-day lives. Thank you for your will. Thank you for the work of your Son. Thank you for the indwelling presence of your Spirit. And thank you for using your Word to remind us of all of these things and teach us things that, that we would never have naturally figured out. We're grateful for these reminders today. We're grateful to know that we have a helper with us, the Holy Spirit, your Spirit. Remind us of this truth, we pray. 
We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.